Welcome to another episode of the Slam Fest podcast, where we bring the premier rock concert pregaming experience from the parking lot to the podcasting airwaves. I'm Brad. So back to my concert chronology this week and the band I'll be covering. I've seen a couple times, but both of those times were in an opening slot on a couple of Ozfests. So short, short five song sets. This time I saw them in a headlining set at a classic old school Detroit venue. And this was my first time at this venue. This episode is going to revolve around the Black Label Society show I saw on March 26th, 2005 at Harpo's Concert Theater in Detroit, Michigan. And to help me recap this concert and talk about BLS in general, please welcome BB from the Potter Than Hell podcast. What's up, BB? Hey, Brad, how are you, buddy? Thanks for having me on. This is an honor. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it was back on the, what was that, the 2002 OzFest that BLS was on, and and I, I did that show with my friend Mike, and I posted a bunch of stuff on Facebook about Pride and Glory and Book of Shadows, and you were you were all over those. Oh, my God. I <laughs> was hook, and sinker with that, right? <laughs> You know, maybe so, not so much this week with the collective soul, but black label, I am all over. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that might have been my first exposure to you. I, I, maybe I had heard on your guys's podcast before that you were a big BLS fan, but that that just cinched it. So I was like, oh, I got to have him on when I got some BLS shows coming up. I, I got to have BB on. So thanks for uh, thanks for joining me. How, how are things at Potter Than Hell? Great. Uh, we're still rocking out. We've been doing it for the last five years. Me and my buddy Steve BC and his son Dylan edits, records, and makes us sound like we know what we're talking about instead <laughs> of being a bunch of bobbleheads. But uh, yeah, we drop our episode every Friday. Uh, pretty much um, a little bit more tighter range than you guys. Uh, we're in the hard rock, heavy metal, if you will. I like to say ACDC to ZZ Top. And you kind of keep that genre, you know, a little bit of hair, metal, 80s thrown in there. But uh, we have a ball. We were doing this for, we were doing this before podcast was even happening. We were doing this on Steve's porch for the last 15, 20 years, just talking about music and shows and this and that. And this guy leaving this band, going with this band. So he just kind of came up, hey, why don't we do a podcast? And, uh, you know, and here we are five years later. It's, uh, it's amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's funny because that's kind of how this podcast started. It's the same thing we've been doing for 20 years, tailgating. You know, before shows and you just talk and you're listening to music and talking about bands and all that stuff. And it's like, hey, why don't we talk about this uh, on a podcast? That might be that might be fun. So good deal. So BB, what I like to do with new guests, I want to go through their a little bit of their concert history, since that's what this podcast is is about. So let's uh, let's go through five questions here. So what was your first concert? My first concert was all the way back in 1986, uh, September 19th to be exact. It was at the Rocky Glen Amusement Park. That's kind of only about a half an hour down the road here in Northeast Pennsylvania, where I'm from. Uh, the bands were the outfield up for the Hooters. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> long story short, and we just went because uh, my buddies going with her boyfriend and we knew some girls that were in our grade i think we're like in seventh grade in 80s in 86 so we're just 
going because the girls are going and we had a ball and uh and it's funny the genre that i end up you know listening to the most and they oh what's your first concert uh the hooters in the outfield <laughs> what and it's just you know it's funny but it, it was a you know a great time and uh venue and they had like a pavilion type stand probably maybe two three hundred people there it wasn't big but uh yeah that is since gone so it's yeah. it's kind of tough for us up here in northeast pa to actually see some good shows because we either have to go two and a half hours east to new york city or we have to go two and a half hours south of philly yeah so you know it, it's tough well, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the outfield. I love I love the outfield. Actually, I, I get some shit about that sometimes. But that uh, and of course, it's impossible to see love, them now, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Your yeah. love was the big song all over the place, and there's a local band that still does that song, and sure, you know, it just brings you back. Yeah, absolutely. So, anyone that's listened to the Potter Than Hell podcast, these guys are big Kiss fans. So, when was the first time you saw Kiss? Uh, my first Kiss concert was. July 27th, 1996. The actual first reunion of many that they have done. Uh, a bunch of people that I knew had a bus trip from a local bar. And uh, we drove, the bus driver took us to Madison Square Garden. You know, it's right right in their, right in their wheel, right in their backyard, pretty much. And uh, they opened up that that a great set list. It was the good old songs. None of like, of course, like the the Monster album and the Cycle Circus didn't come out yet. So you yeah. had all seventies his songs. They opened up with Deuce, and then they closed with, of course, Rock and Roll All Night. But uh, blown away by that show. Ace was so good that night. I didn't even think it was Ace. <laughs> which uh, it, which it, night was that? Was because the, there were four nights, ooh. right? You remember? Yeah, it was the 27th. Yeah, because I think it was like the 25th, 26th, 27th, and so that might have been like yeah, the it third. was a big one. Yeah, nice, nice, awesome. How about your most recent concert? Oh, my most recent was the M3 show that the that the podcast family went to with me, Steve, BC, and Dylan. We went down to Columbia, Maryland, and saw M3. There's probably, I think there's only one, there's one year that they canceled it. And I think there was one year that all four of us didn't make it. So they've been doing this for 13 years and it is just a fun time, you know, hanging out, odd music that you don't get to hear much around anymore. Like Vane was a standout for me this year. Bro with the new singer, Eric, that kid has pipes like Sebastian Bach never had. I can't wait to hear this new album from those guys. It's going to be it's going to be a killer album because this kid, man, unbelievable pipes and uh, great, great stuff. Tesla was there. Lizzie Borden for BC. Tracer Colt. Some great, great music. Like I said, it's all about the hang as, as, as we yeah. keep saying. And just break away for a weekend and just in, enjoy 25 bands for like $125. Nice. Nice. So the next question is kind of a milestone show for like any band. You know, did you see a, I mean, you saw the Kiss reunion show, obviously, but were there any other shows like last shows, last tours by anybody, shows overseas? I don't know if you've ever been overseas for any concerts, anything? Stand no, out? but, but I, I will definitely say probably the highlight of my concert career was Woodstock 99. Oh, wow. That they burned to the ground. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a funny story with that one, my buddy had an actual ticket. He bought it. It was 150 bucks. 
Uh, it was all over, you know, like I said, back in 1999. And he was kind of bragging about it. And one of our friends, he's a very computer savvy guy. So he's like, oh, we're playing poker Friday. Why don't you bring that ticket up? We don't believe you, blah, blah, blah. All right, I'll bring it, I'll bring it. So he brings it up. My buddy scans it. The front, scans the back. Gives it back to him. He doesn't tell anybody he does this. So like after after playing cards the next day at work, he goes, hey, guess what I did last night? I'm like, what? And he, he said, uh, I scanned Craig's ticket for Woodstock. I'm like, no way. That's what you did with it? So after after work, we're down. I don't know if it was the, the office max or the staples. We're feeling paper in there. I'm like, all right, maybe this is the best kind of paper to go with. We're printed out. And, and of course, back then, it wasn't the barcode. It was just kind of right. number on the bottom. Easy to change the number. So we printed tickets, and 12 of us went for free. We went up on that. It opened up on Thursday night, and there was really nobody we wanted to see Thursday. So Thursday night, we get there like 2 in the morning with our tickets. Boom, rip it, rip. And then they start looking at our bags, and the, you know they're taking out the beer we took and yeah. you know some yeah. other paraphernalia that we took along. <laughs> and it was... It was just a great experience to see that. A couple of bands that we did see, like I said, Thursday night was the was the opening stuff. There wasn't many big bands there. And, you know, we we just kind of want to get up there just in case somebody's like, oh, your, your, your ticket's wet and it just ran or something. But no, the, the girl just, she's probably no more than 18, just ripped it. And, go ahead, go ahead. And then the guy began checking our bags. But uh, they had two stages. Like the main stage, that was pretty much where we stayed. We saw live the offspring, corn, and bush yep. on the Friday. And then Saturday, we saw Matthews, Alanis Morissette, Limp Biscuit, Rage Against the Machine, and Metallica. And the last night, we saw Jewel, Creed, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rusted Root, Godsmack, and Megadeth. And the side stage, that's where Megadeth was. So there was me and a couple other people there. And the stage was the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I believe, closed that. And when, you know, the, like everybody's seen the videos, the place <laughs> yes. is burning to the ground. So, and I still, to this day, I don't know how my buddies, how we reconnected with each other with so many people there. You know, and I probably only saw about three quarters of the Megadeth set list. And we hopped in the car and drove two and a half hours home that night. Wow man and, and and it's funny our our, our buddy our tom gelati was up there as well okay yeah i didn't know him then but right yeah he was right. at the same show he said i'm like wow small world do you know uh, kevin williams from the in obscuria podcast at all oh i don't know him but i the, have the name I, yeah i think he he was there too it was the the rome air force base up there in, right. in new york and uh yeah, once once the uh, chaos started, we figured it was time to go. We packed up our tents and just threw it in everybody's car and said, all right, let's go. We're out of here. Yeah. So last question. So biggest regret. Is there anybody that has eluded you that uh, whether they're around still and you, you just haven't had a chance to see them or anyone back in the day that's not around that you would have liked to have seen? would have loved to see Van Halen, the original lineup. I've seen all the lineups since then, but of course, you know, growing up in this genre of music, would have loved to, loved to see the original lineup. But the real regret was back in 1991, there was a, they called the Allentown Fairgrounds. And 1991, Damn Yankees played. They're like, come on, we're going to go see Damn Yankees. And of course, I had to work and I couldn't get the night off. 
anybody switch at me. It's like last minute. You know, I don't want to be a jerk. But they were the actually that I kind of regret not seeing because I never saw them. And I yeah. absolutely love those guys. Yep. Well, yeah, those are two that I never saw. Never saw the original Van Halen and never saw the short-lived kind of damn Yankees window there. Yeah. It was it was hard to uh if you didn't if you didn't jump on it like that you yeah you weren't gonna you weren't gonna be able to see it uh, later on so yeah. good cool those were those were good i liked the uh, i liked i wasn't expecting the the woodstock but that's oh that's something, <laughs> that's something you'll never forget man exactly <laughs> that's anyway, sure. i just watched the documentary uh, oh I think wow it's on netflix or, or hbo max or something it's like an hour long and me and my two older boys sat there and watched and like they're like you went through that like <laughs> what are you gonna do <laughs> right you're hanging right. out with your friends like it, it was a good time it was a great experience but you know now that i'm a m- lot older hopefully i don't have to go through that again <laughs> very good all right so moving on to the backgrounds with the bands on the bill so i've obviously talked about bls a couple times and and kind of my history so so how did they come on your radar bb it's probably going all the way back to 1988 with uh the miracle man video we here in Northeast PA, you know, we, we're like the last rose of summer, as you say. We never actually MTV until the middle 90s. So the, I believe it was the USA Network. They had like Friday night videos. So I would set my parents' VCR up to record all these videos. You know, and then Saturday morning, watch the videos. So Miracle Man comes on. I'm like, ooh, Ozzy, that's cool. And I haven't heard, I didn't hear the song before. Because um, I, I I didn't have a rest for the wicked yet, and he just blew Zach just blew my mind. You know the the, the cool bullseye guitar Gibson it just it, it just sucked you in, you know. And I'm like, boy, this guy is really really good. Like, where did he come from? And I didn't realize that he was 18, 19 when they're recording this video. And like, you go look back at the history. I'm like, wow. Like, imagine just playing for Ozzy for you when you're 18 and all of a sudden, boom, you're hired. You know, but that, yeah, I, I love that Rest for the Wicked album. You know, and then he goes to No More Tears. And then the, the Live and Loud live Ozzy album with him doing stuff that Randy Rhodes did and Tony Iommi did. And it just, I, I like, by then, it's just the, the love is growing. And I then I think it was 1994, uh, like you guys said, that Pride and Glory came out. Uh, I also caught them, so August 14th, 1994, he opened up for Uncle Ted. Oh, wow. And uh, I think back then it was only James Lomenzo was playing the bass and Brian Tish was on drums. It was just, you know, three guys. It was a phenomenal show. The, and they just blew me away. I'm like, boy, this guy really, really can play. And then, then it just kind of kept steamrolling into the Black Label. And then, you know, the first album with Sonic Bruin, in 98 i believe the that song spoke in the wheel you know that was that was a great song and and even now going all the way to the their their newest album doom crew and adding that uh dario lorena and he's he's a great guitar player now you have somebody to actually accent zach's playing which was so cool because of before it was just a lot of these albums we're going to talk about just zach and his drummer, um, right. Craig, that was it. But in you're listening to it, there's like layered vocals in this. And, and there seems like sometimes there's three guitars layered in there. Like, man. But uh, yeah, I, I, I was sucked in all the way back from 88. Uh, 
just like you, I saw them in in Fest, uh, Pennsylvania, just down the road. Uh, but you said they got you got five songs, I believe. You yeah. only got three. Oh, I had a I had a look. I had to do a little homework. I'm like, boy, I wonder what songs they play. <laughs> so uh, they're they're kind of promoting their 1919 Eternal. So they do Bleed for Me, they do Graveyard uh, Disciples, and they do Genocide Junkies. <laughs> I'm like, Ugh! in, out, and done. I'm like, boy, that was like the fastest concert I think I've ever seen. I never saw a three show, a three song show before <laughs> that's but, a that's but, a hell of a one two three punch though <laughs> right exactly because there was like drowning pool was there and pod rob zombie system of a down ozzy so i understand you know they they probably came out at six o'clock and they're not six ten boom <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it, and then i saw them in philly in a 2010 they were they were the headliner the oh uh, trend uh clutch Clutch opened, and then Children of Bodom. Oh yeah, you know there was a three a, those those three guys played, and then I saw them in 2011. They opened up for Judas Priest in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey, and I met Zach twice. I met him once in uh, Grand Central Station. He was doing like a, a little get together. I think he was probably playing probably playing the Garden that night, and it was just a little newsstand, a little magazine place. He was there signing stuff and then uh we saw him at sam goody a couple of years later in new york city of, of course and uh the funny story about that i tore my acl month before that so we're me steve and bc were hobbling along the city and i got these crutches on the, the the line to meet zach is three blocks long and uh hobbling in my crutches i have my red Sox hat on so i up to him he was signing his his book uh oh man oh shoot yeah what's that what was that called something about the children yeah yeah uh I lost me but he's signing his books so I, so I hobble up i hobble up <laughs> wow you got bigger balls than i do because <laughs> i walked five blocks in my crutches he goes no because you got a boston red sox fan in new york city i'm like oh yeah ah. <laughs> so it, and it, it was funny, he just kind of started talking about a little bit of baseball, and that was right around the time I think he started doing some kind of little sports thing on Sirius Radio, like right right when they started that. But yeah, so there's pretty much like a really good Cliff Note version of my Black Label history. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, so yeah, so since the last time before this show that we saw him, so that was 2004 OzFest with that great one with Judas Priest with Halford. Uh, reunited in Black Sabbath and and uh, you know so Blessed Hellride had come out so between that show and this show so that uh, Hangover Music Volume One had come out and then obviously Mafia uh, was released in early March of 2005. So what what's the deal with that Hangover Music Volume One? Where's Volume Two? Don't fucking tease us, Richard! God damn it, you bastard! You only gave us. Fucking sweat with the only part one. Where is part two? It's been right. It's been, it's been eighteen years or whatever since that came out. If you're gonna, put he's gonna have to one. do. A, yeah, like where's two? He's gonna have to do a, 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 a hangover, a hangover of caffeine now. Now that he's <laughs> now, no, right, he's he's you know now that he's sober after his. I think he had some kind of major blood clot in his leg. Yeah, you know now I, I now I believe he's you know I think he does 
he makes his own coffee now. And, yeah, yeah. And the, the Java, Hala, Java Hala, something or other coffee company. Yep. And, you yep. know, now it'll be Java Hava in your cup <laughs> in the morning instead of Folgers Volume 1. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It'll be there super piano. I think it'll be acoustic piano, very heavy, very mellow for your, you know, morning listen. There you go. There you go. So good. So on to the concert. So a little background on Harpo's concert theater. So I don't know if you've ever heard of this place, <laughs> BB, but it is, it is, uh, I guess I can say infamous maybe because I mean, it is an old school, you know, heavy metal club type type place built, built in 1939 as a movie theater transformed into a nightclub disco in the 70s and then in 1979 it was converted into the concert venue that it is today it's in a horrible part of town it's on the kind of the east side of detroit and interestingly enough the first show that was there was in 1980 and it was with mitch Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway i you know, showing up at this place, this was the first time I had ever been there. My brother flew up for the show and, you know, all the stores and restaurants around this place, gas stations, all bar, you know, bars on the windows type of thing. I mean, it's, it's like, where the hell are we? Roll them up. <laughs> A couple of kids from Nebraska being like, what, where are we? exactly uh going to this but just an awesome awesome venue i mean the stage is about six or seven feet off the ground so if you're in the front row you know you're like hanging on to the stage is one of those deals probably a three thousand capacity i mean it's pretty big just general you know ga type floor huge pa system so louder than louder than shit in there and it's like okay well, we've got to, we've got to go to this show. <laughs> we've got to go to this show. And we'll talk a little bit about, I'm sure you're familiar with the boozed, bruised and broken boned DVD uh, that they, Oh yes. That was actually recorded there at Harpo's. I think like the year before, or maybe, maybe two years, but maybe it's the year, maybe it was the tour before, but we'll talk about that a little bit, uh, a little bit later. There's something, there's something pretty funny that happened, uh, at the venue that night but let's dive into the set list of this show so stoned and drunk destruction overdrive been a long time funeral bell suffering overdue in this river suicide messiah demise of sanity spread your wings mama i'm coming home instrumental which was interesting folk in the wheel fire it up stillborn and close with genocide junkies so break down one song from sonic brew zero songs from stronger than death two songs from 1919 eternal five songs from the blessed hell ride five songs from mafia and then the cover song the mafia or the mama i'm coming home instrumental so interesting uh well you know it's, so it's 2005 you know they're kind of ignoring those first two those first two albums i mean the blessed hell ride was a was a hit billborn was a hit off of there i heard i think i heard the the title cut on the radio a few times as well and then 
obviously Suicide Messiah, I think, was getting some airplay off of Mafia. So he was obviously catering more to those later albums. But what are your what are your thoughts on that set list? Yeah, I, I think this is I think this is a good mix, um, especially Mafia. I, I think, you know, going out there and I think he really pushed this album. I almost kind of want to say this is kind of where he found his his niche, if you will, because, you know, this you know, there are some heavy hitters on that album. And uh, and, and of course, you know, they're, they're throwing in the set list. It, it's I think it I think it flows pretty good. And this river always kind of breaks it up every once in a while. And, you know, spoke in the wheel kind of, you know, slows it back down again. Yep. And then, of course, you know, the, like I said, the stillborn song is, you know, was super popular then. And I think that's a great closer for genocide junkies. It's it, it really fits. It fits great. But but I'm just very I'm confused. I don't think I've ever heard or seen him do the Mama, I'm coming home instrumental. So, you know, when I when I went back and and researched this and saw that and there's a show, there is a full show from this tour uh, online. And, you know, looking at it, it was an odd. <laughs> it was an odd deal, you know, the piano stuff, you know, going on. But the, uh, the fact that it was inst- well, he wasn't going to. I guess he wasn't going to try to attempt to sing it, which I, I guess he, I guess he could have, but yeah, that was, that was really, really out of left field from, from my memory of it. So, you know, lights going out at the beginning, red banner with the kind of the BLS gun, the gun is the L right logo back there. And over the PA crazy by Patsy Klein was playing i don't know what the i don't know what the significance of that is but i could remember being at the show and matt and i had we had a good time before the concert so i was i was i was pretty lit up uh and sitting there with the lights out and hearing patsy Klein, i was i was about to lose um... my mind (laughs) what's going on and then of course the sirens start to go and the, the lights and zach is soloing i mean it's it's almost you know, 10 minutes before they even, you know, went into Stoned and Drunk, but um, great, great opener. But interesting, it's the Mafia tour and four of the first five songs were from Blessed Hell Ride, which mm-hmm. was kind of curious, you know, just the, right. the order, the order of it. But I mean, it was jam packed in there. And I mean, just a cool, again, cool environment. And just, yeah, great, great to see a headlining set from them <laughs> versus like your three songs right and we saw five songs the previous couple times and and seeing seeing a full set from them was good in this river it, you know at this time i think uh i think dying you know the song wasn't written for dime but i don't know when he died specifically but i think he did because i think he dedicated the song to him live right I believe. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure what the what what the year was. The, the, yeah, the time frame of that, but I believe that he that he did. So it was you know that was that was emotional as well. But yeah, band was great. This was you know potentially maybe their kind of commercial peak. You know, because I mean after this, I think they probably started to just times changing. You know, music changing. They kind of climbed up, and I think I, I would feel like this was their their peak so it was a cool time to see them for sure and detroit's finest were were all out 
BB. It was. Oh, it was. It I was can something. imagine. <laughs> it was something. It was something else. So let's see. You said you saw him. You saw him about two, 2010. I guess was the next time. 2010. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Philly, you know, like I said, that was their headliner. Yep. Yep. So the one. The one song that's missing in this set list for me, and we'll talk about, we're going to talk about Blessed Hell Right and, and Mafia a little bit more, but one of my favorite BLS songs is Say What You Will <laughs> off of off of Mafia. And I, it's upbeat, just, you know, would come across so well live. And I looked it up, BB, according to Setlist FM, they've only done it 13 times. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some of them were on that i think that 2010 tour but it was just a just a handful of them so all oh, um, right anyway it must be something that they just pull out uh pull out from time to time but yeah genocide junkies great uh great closer demise of sanity is such a great such a great song i'm glad they glad they kept that from kind of the the older you know three albums in there um, Bleed for me was missing. Uh, I was I was kind of hoping they that they would have mm. played that, but overall, yeah, solid solid fourteen song set. Yeah, I'm trying to I I, I have the set list from the Philly show. I'm just I'm just kind of going back and forth and see seeing what the difference is five years in the making. Oh sure, is. yeah yeah. Um, so they so the so the Philadelphia show they opened up with Crazy Horse, did Rose Petal Garden, Funeral Bell. Overlord, uh, then they have a, a piano solo into in this river. Fire it up, then into a guitar solo. Godspeed, Hellbound, the Blessed Hell Ride, Suicide Messiah, Concrete Jungle, and then they close with Stillborn. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. You know, so so that was probably pretty much the order of the black kind of promoting yep. there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Very interesting. But yeah, so I mean, they had a couple more albums, obviously. So they, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's hardly anything from those first three. I mean, Bleed Free right. was in there, you know, which, yeah, again, it, it, it's like every other band, right? Is it the commercially successful stuff? They got to play stuff from, <laughs> from, right. you from know, those it, albums. We, you know, that's, our, that's the funny thing we always say in the podcast. Um, play the hits, play the hits, because you know we don't. You know us guys as music junkies. You know nine times out of ten, you don't want to hear the hits because you're just sick of them, right? And, and some of them are just there to you know hear "Stillborn" or "In This River." They heard those two songs, they'd be fine. So thank right. you, good night. I'm done. <laughs> you know I heard my two songs. I'm going home now. You know yeah. they don't care anything about you know "Suicide Messiah" or "Fire It Up." They're just there for the the hits play the hits that's every that's every everybody just wants to hear the hits absolutely absolutely and now onto the band on the bill spotlight so actually i didn't even talk about the opener i don't even know if there was an opener on on that show <laughs> at all Matt and I, our opener was out in the parking lot so right had, it was brought no... to you by miller light <laughs> exactly exactly so Black Label Society. This this episode's all about all about BLS. So I thought, hey, let's take. We talked about their commercial albums, and they were playing five songs each off of Blessed Hellride and Mafia. Well, let's uh, let's talk about both these albums a little bit. Give our highlights and 
and low lights if there are some, and then we'll we'll each uh, make our case for which one is which one is better. So, Blessed Hell Ride released April twenty third, two thousand three, charted at number fifty, but no no sales certifications. Again, different era, the two thousands, right? Bands like this weren't uh, weren't selling gold records or, or platinum records um, anymore. But charting at number fifty, that's not that's not too bad. So. What are your uh, what are your overall thoughts on Blessed Hell Ride? Um, I enjoy this album, and it's it's one of those albums that it's it's not out there. It's not really it wasn't really commercialized like like Mafia was that we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, and I'm very surprised it charted at fifty. You know that's great. Just doing this just for with his free time because if he's you know traveling with Ozzy now and you know where does he have Where's he finding all this time to just, you know, record all this stuff and, and, and just get the drum? He probably just sends him a click track and say, here, make some drum sounds on this and I'll do the rest, you know. Right. But uh, I love I love Stoned and Drunk. I think that's a great opener. It, it, it's cool, like I kind of said before. That starts off, there's like a layered guitar in there. So, you know, he's, it seems like he's using two different guitars and he mixes that in together. Um there's like a, a gritty screaming vocals that he has. I, I think it's really, really cool. The, the drum beat is super, super heavy and out front. I, I, I think that's a great opener. It, it's probably one of my, probably like top three openers for, for a Black Label album. And of course the, the song Stillborn. I know they made a video. I'm not 100% sure if they actually released it as a single or not. According to Wikipedia, they didn't, but you know, sometimes you can't believe everything. But I know there's a video out there that's just really, really cool. It's almost in like a vein of uh, Rob Zombie-ish. Uh, very cool. And it has Ozzy in the background kind of screaming a little bit. Uh, the, the Blessed Hell Ride, the, the title track, uh, I think that's another really, really good song. It kind of reminds me like like the Pride and Glory days almost. You know, acoustic, raw vocals. And uh, I, I actually love Blackened Water versus like screaming choruses. I love when he does that. And... Uh, yeah, like I said, this is a solid album. You know, maybe not something that somebody was going to ask. Oh, I never really listened to Black Label. What album did you suggest? This is definitely not the album that I would suggest. So, yeah, so interesting. So my introduction to BLS was from my brother. And it was 1919 Eternal. He played Bleed for me. <laughs> for me. And so that was my first kind of introduction to them. And then at that point... I, it was so close to him introducing me to him to like this album coming out. I think I got this album, and then probably went backwards, you know, to the other the other two. But I I went out and bought this. I think the day that it was released, I I, I, I had to drive. We had just moved out to Maryland, and I didn't know where anything was. And I remember having to drive <laughs> for some reason a long ways to to get it. But anyway, stoned and drunk, just blew me away and just grabbed me immediately like you like you said i mean it's the, that uh that palm muting riffing really reminds me of like megadeth type mm. stuff sure and just love 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 the obviously love the line popping pills drinking booze smoking every day you know it's just it's just so so good so good doomsday jesus again more kind of megadeth feel kind of that mid-tempo type just crunch you know just just love love that song as well stillborn 
again, it was the quote unquote hit, like you said, it, I don't know if it was really the single, but there's a video and, but I, I almost feel like that's one of the thinner sounding songs on the album. Just mm. maybe the production uh, wise. And again, it's got an Alice in Chains feel, uh, obviously to me. I mean, Zach sounds like, uh, <laughs> when he sings, he obviously sounds like, uh, it sounds like Alice in Chains. And see, having Ozzy in there is, is cool. Uh, Suffering Overdue, again, kind of bl- plotting Sabbath riff in there. But so here, here's the album title, right? Blessed Hell Ride. And there's a title track, and we're getting closer to that song, and I'm just I'm just waiting to get blown away, right, <laughs> by the song, and completely takes a left turn, a good left turn, but a, I mean, totally caught me off guard. I wonder if that was by design, <laughs> almost. Yeah, because you know he he is a trickster, you know. He, he <laughs> Everything's a joke a... to him, it seems, right? <laughs> it is, absolutely. So loved loved just that just it just the just the difference that that is obviously from the first four songs of the album funeral bell uh, just a badass chugging riff obviously the the funeral bell you know sound effects back there great great stuff you mentioned black and waters and you were talking about you know loving the uh um kind of the yeah the mellow feel or the, not the mellow feel but the him not screaming but then screaming during the during the choruses and that type of stuff great great stuff we live no more and even i mean dead meadow i you know i think those are i think those are all cool songs final solution doesn't do a ton for me kind of out of out of this entire 11 song album that's probably my least favorite on the album but everything else yeah. is good <laughs> Maybe a little odd, and again, this is before Hangover music came out, but 11 songs and three of them are quote-unquote kind of acoustic or piano, right? Kind of mellow, which right. which was interesting, you know, kind of coming from those first three albums, which were all kind of balls to the wall <laughs> right? type albums. Yeah, the clunker, the clunker for me on this album is, is the last song, the, the Dead Meadows. I love, a, I love an album that has like bookends. Like it grabs you the first song and then it grabs to the last song. Like you want more and you can't wait till the next album comes out. You know, yeah. and the, and the, the, the lighter songs, I think, I think fit well in here, but man, I don't know why they, they, he put that last. I, sometimes I feel like it's almost like a, it's too slow. <laughs> it, 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 like you want to like, come on, let's go giddy up. You know? But, uh, it, it just uh, not a I'm not a fan of where it sits. Maybe if it was you know maybe thrown in, you know between Funeral Bell and, and Final Solution there. Yeah, yeah. You know what that 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 Dead Meadow actually reminded me of. I was thinking of Pink Floyd. I was thinking of GNR Use Your Illusion era stuff. Just even his voice. Right. I mean, it almost sounded like. I mean, it's like Axl Rose, Kurt Cobain, and and Scott Weiland all in a blender or something right that's that's what he that's what it sounded like to me but yeah i odd placement of the of the song but yeah and again i that's that's my my thought is is the fact that there's you know three mellow songs i I wasn't really expecting it not that it's a bad thing but i wasn't really expecting to have that many on there and obviously learning when you put out hangover music he's he, he likes to do that stuff i mean is you know the 
Book of Shadows stuff and even the you know sure. that older stuff that he's he's got that feel. But I wasn't as familiar with that stuff at this point All right. in time when this album came out. But overall, I uh, I I'm a fan. I like the the plain black and white album cover. You know, it's just pretty simple. There's not much not much to it, uh, and and it's a it's a straight ahead uh, straight ahead heavy metal album for sure. So then yeah. Mafia released March 8th, 2005, charted at number 15. And again, like you said, Wikipedia, you believe it or, or, you, or you can't, but supposedly sold 250,000 copies in the U.S. So I, I, I don't know if that's, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I mean, I'm not sure I would doubt it. I mean, like I said, they, they were they were peaking uh, at this time and he's using his, his Aussie fame along with yeah it. It, it, he certainly could have he could certainly could have and uh so what are your thoughts uh kind of overall on this on this album no this is the album i would actually give someone to say hey you want to check out black label check out this mafia album because i think it blends well i think there's a good patient of his heaviness his acoustic piano i think this is just greatest together album of everything that he does and does well in my in my in my eyes and the album that he has the three singles off of too you know uh, fired it up suicide messiah and in this river you know and, and like you said before in this river is just so big after dime passed you know that's pretty much probably between that and stillborn are probably their two biggest songs you know for sure but fired up th this is this is an amazing opener I love the whiny talk box that he uses in the beginning of this song. Like, who thinks of whining, like putting like a whiny talk box, you know, above your guitar? And, you know, it fits great. You know, almost sounds like a, a motorcycle revving up in a way. Song number two, cool galloping riff. And the, the pinch harmonics in that, in that song is just mind blowing. I think there's a lot more pinch harmonics in this album than there than there is in the, the Blessed Hell Ride. And I'm like a Doberman pitcher. I hear those pinch harmonics and my ears go straight up. I'm like, ooh, there it is. And, and it's just like, even today, if you hear bands just doing it and you're like, ooh, you know, influenced by Zach, you know, <laughs> and that's exactly where I go. And you, and you hear it a lot nowadays. And then, like I said, uh, Suicide Messiah, you know, great song. Video, this is, this is probably the second biggest song to, you know, promote this album. The song number four, I think, a "Forever Down," start with a with a real gritty guitar. This is my wheelhouse. This is my bang zone. I love when a piano is underneath a heavy riff. You know, I've said this since day one at our podcast. If you give me a clinky piano and some heavy heavy guitar riff, I'm in. I, I, I'm right in there. Love that sound, and it's just my bang zone great stuff from that album and there's in just like the the next one in this river same exact thing you know piano heavy guitar riffs and like i said it, it's out there cool instrumental from dr octavia electric hellfire deep track that i absolutely love dirt on the grave probably out of all these songs tonight this is my favorite before with the bookends there's more like a whiny talk box this dirt in the grave and it's a totally different song you know fire up is so heavy punch in the face you know kicking the throat good metal riffs and this one's a little bit more 
you know, a little bit on the lighter side. It has the, the talk box, but it's over it's over the piano this time, which is really, really cool the way he blended that in. And then he, there's certain parts when he actually does his own background vocals, which are kind of blended in with his regular singing voice, which is just, you know, mind-blowing once again. But there there's only one little little hiccup in this album, but I'd like to see what uh what do you what did you think about the Mafia album? Yeah, so I mean I I'll say that two of my favorite BLS riffs come off of this album. And I well one's say what you will, which I had talked about uh, earlier, wishing that they would have played it. And then Forever right. Down, like you were talking, I mean, it starts with the piano and strings and then just, <laughs> my note is, and then leads into a badass riff. And I mean, just love, love the riff on that. And I think during the, what is that, during the chorus, there's almost like a dive bomb on the on the guitar that sounds like Led Zeppelin. Sounds like a whole, lot of, sure. whole lot of love, yeah. right? Whoa, a whole lot of love, right? That thing, mm, right? Yep. So those, I mean, those two riffs are, are awesome. You know, I it's interesting. I love Fire It Up when this album came out, but it hasn't aged well for me. That's like back to your back to your whiny, you're saying the whiny uh, talk box. I don't know. It doesn't do what it did for, I don't know why. I, something changed with my taste uh, on that song because I, I loved that song when it came out originally. Suicide Messiah. I mean, that, the intro, just the, just those power chords, you know, coming in and just as it's just building, 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 and then that chugging riff and almost kind of that riff during the verse kind of reminds me of just that stranglehold from Nugent, just that, just Uncle that Ted, vibe yeah. that kind of, kind of made me, made me think of it. In this river, actually, I just looked up, Dime died in December of 04. So it was just oh. two months before this album Right. Or three months before this album came out so the song wasn't written about him but it was dedicated to him uh when they played live and uh death march great song like you said dr octavia cool instrumental i wish they would just put that on the front of say what you will instead yep. of have it be a different track i mean it's only like 50 seconds long or whatever just just have it be an intro on say what you will and so say what you will I, the delay on his voice just the upbeat and then during the the chorus kind of the tempo changes a little bit that underlying riff as as it's going through that i just ah oh, i just love 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 that song what else on here been a long time i think is a modern version of war pigs <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with the start and stop and which yeah. makes sense as big of a sabbath fan as as he is and but yeah and you're you're right i mean the end, and I guess I right. I never dreamed is that's not a bonus track, right? That's actually on the album, right? I think it is because "Dirt on the Grave." I think I never. Well, I, at least on on streaming, <laughs> I never dreamed is showing as a is showing as the fifteenth or is the fifteenth song on there, which I think fifteen songs is too long, to be honest with. Oh you. yeah, <laughs> that's too that's too many songs to me but but i think yeah i think those uh I, I think dirt on the grave is is good and i think i never dreamed is a is an okay song it's got a ronnie Van slower Zandt one yeah. right yeah uh on it as well so again i mean i bought it right away when it came out and then yeah we saw it we saw this tour three weeks later is all after the after the album came out so overall i mean i think yeah these two albums you know i well <laughs> He's put out some 
some pretty darn good stuff recently uh, as well. But, you know, when people look back over their discography, they'll, they'll see these two. And like you said, they've got the two biggest hits on their albums. So I think we're, I know where you're leaning um, <laughs> between, between these two. So why don't you, uh, why don't you go through that again real quick? Yeah, definitely for me, Mafia wins this battle for sure. Um, just, just the, just the out front of how popular it was and kind of how he kind of self out there, you know, he got a little bit more publicity, you know, started headlining in his own shows and then helping guy like bands like Clutch and, uh, children of Baltimore kind of hop on his ticket and, you know, just helping these young kids out. I, I think this album really blends well together. I think it, it, it incorporates his heaviness, his lighter side, and, and some cool, like Dr. Octavia with a cool instrumental. It's just sometimes I'm not a big fan of instrumentals, but so cool. It just airs it up. And uh, this is a this is a really, really good album. And if, and if your listeners are just you know, hearing about the Black Label Society for the first time, this is easily the, the album to go to and just, you know, check them out. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like I said, my brother introduced me to him with 1919 Eternal. I bought Blessed Hell Ride. We saw him on that OzFest promoting that album. So I think we got like four or five of the songs were all from Blessed Hell Ride on that bill. So that 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 album has a special <laughs> it's one of those with me i like i love both of them but that one's got a special place for me and again i i, I mentioned that you know having three mellow songs on it but i i'm actually a fan of all three of those mellow songs other than the one what final solution i think was was my weak spot on that album i i think it's maybe a little more concise like i said 15 mm. songs people that have listened to me know that i hate I hate long albums because <laughs> right. like there's, I feel like there's filler in there and they could tighten it up a little bit. But the, you know, I, I mentioned two of my favorite BLS riffs are, are from the Mafia album, so it's it's close, it's close. But I'll I'll give the edge to <laughs> the Blessed Hell Ride. So good, fun. That was yeah, that was interesting to kind of look at those two back to back. Yes. Well, I say back to back. I know. Hangover music was in the middle, but that's that's a whole nother that's a whole nother podcast yeah. to talk about yep. <laughs> that, that, that album. So let's move on to the Slam Fest tip of the week. So again, BB, when I do you know real time shows, I talk about the songs listening to pre gaming and you know all that fun stuff. So these shows back then, I don't have a record <laughs> of what we listened to, but the one thing I can say, the weekend before this show. My wife and I spent the weekend in Chicago. So this is 2005. And there was an Apple store in Chicago. And my wife was trying to get me into buying an iPod. And I was so against it. I'm like, no, I like my CDs. I like, you know, touching and feeling kind of like people with vinyl and all that stuff. I said, I don't, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. She talks me into it. I get a 30 gig you know, old school iPod with the dial thing on it that, you know, going through. And I spent the the following week loading all of my heavy metal stuff on it so I could use it for the pre-gaming that we did before, <laughs> before this black label. So this was the first, this was the introduction to using digital music 
in pre-gaming. So I had an old school boom box. I had a cassette adapter with a, a headphone uh, cord, basically, that went into the headphone jack of the iPod. And that's how we listened to music through the through the boom box as we were as we were pre-gaming. But it was funny because Matt was he wasn't really sure what to do with it. He wasn't familiar with an iPod, but he thought, shit, you got all this stuff and it's just in the palm of your hand. I said, hey, you can choose anything, man, because, you know, when you when he was traveling, he could bring 20 CDs or whatever. And oh, you can have everything. Just, just you know, at the at the at the touch of uh, of your finger. So that changed, that changed the game. You know, moving moving forward. So then the other thing with regards to this show, we drove. We actually we did some pre gaming in the hotel, which was closer to downtown. Then we drove to the venue, and we had to park on some side streets. I already told you the great neighborhood that this was in. And we were hanging out with some other guys that had parked you know, on this same road. And and I just remember my brother looking at me and saying, can you imagine what the guys back home would be thinking <laughs> of, of where we were? And we, we even saw there were rats running around. I mean, it was it was almost out of a movie, BB, how 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 rough it was. But like I said, we, we had had a had a lot of drinks and i was i was feeling pretty good during the show but after the show i can remember leaving still had a big 24 ounce beer probably half full and i didn't make it to the bathroom of the venue i threw up in the cup feeling kind of queasy how about a nice greasy pork sandwich served in a dirty ashtray he pukes you die not one of my finest moments at all you know was that a bls show and was that uh was that harpo's which i brought up that that boozed bruised and broken bone dvd so when we bought these tickets my brother brought this up to me he says hey they recorded a show at that same venue and the funny thing was, and I'll read this off of the back of this DVD, led into battle by the premier rock guitarist of this generation, Black Label Society has quickly become the bottom line when it comes to pure, unfiltered, hard rock excellence. In their first ever DVD release, BLS shows that it doesn't matter if they're on a larger-than-life arena stage or in a packed, sweaty club, the results are always monstrous. Recorded live at Harpo's in Detroit, Michigan, in front of a sold-out crowd of Bruce Willing maniacs, boozed, bruised, and broken bones sees BLS storm through a set of hard-hitting material with Zach unleashing his incomparable Les Paul magic. Also in what is reportedly a first, the band, crowd, and crew managed to empty the club of its last drop of beer. <laughs> Imagine you, that. So, there you go. That's... Uh, that's Detroit for you. <laughs> it's what does it say? Zach and BLS deliver 100% damage and brutality <laughs> on the back. So good old, good old BLS. So that was that was a good time. And that that venue is still there. I actually I just saw last fall. I saw Sebastian Bach and his solo band there doing uh, Slave of the Grind in its entirety. So 
still standing. It's still standing. So let's close this episode out with a which side are you on? So, BB, on these episodes, I close it out and I take an album and I put side one up against side two. And again, all we're talking about is BLS. So let's uh, let's stick with them. And we're going to do 1919 Eternal. So released March 5th, 2002, produced by Zach Wilde, charted at number 149. 14 songs. Again, <laughs> it's a lot of songs, but we can do that. We can break. It's broken down into seven and seven. That makes it. That makes it easy. So side one highlights, BB. Bleed for me. <laughs> My favorite opener. I I love the screaming with the wow. Wow. Yeah, I love so when good. he does that. That so is good. so great. And it just sticks in your head. It's like an earworm. And that's, you know, right when that comes on, you're like, oh, man, that's what you want from the opening track. It's a really, really good opener. Killer song. The solo's crazy. Life, Birth, Blood, and Doom for a super catchy song. I, I think that's a, a, a kind of like a highlight on this side. Bridge the Cross, another slower one. I like his, I like his whiny guitar sound in this because I kind of teeter. Every once in a while, I'm like, boy, that song was super heavy. Or I'm like, boy, that was super slow and whiny. I guess it has to the, the mood I'm in. Like sometimes I really enjoy the slow, whiny stuff. But then there's other times I love to punch in the face bleed for me. But I really like uh, Bridge the Cross and that uh, Battering Ram, a super fast song, great chugging riff through there. Speedball, uh, Sick Bananas, acoustic, instrumental. Great way to close out side one. What, what did you actually think about side one? Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm a fan of side one. So yeah, bleed for me, again, first song I ever heard from Matt playing it for me like you said those owls oh it was so so good lords of destruction does absolutely nothing for me i was trying to figure it out i just that effect i think yeah on the voice i don't know it's just kind of a mishmash uh song for me but then i mean demise of sanity life birth blood doom life birth blood doom it feels like the doomsday jesus of this album to me kind of the yeah a little bit slower uh you know chugging type uh type riff bridge to cross is fantastic i actually i love speedball too that just that little acoustic ditty uh that he does uh at the end and then battering ram so back on that other bls episode that i did with my friend mike i told the story of hearing him interviewed by a DJ in Kansas City. <laughs> the DJ asked him about Battering Ram and he said, yeah, this is a song I wrote about my wife and I and uh, what goes on in the bedroom. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? But yeah, classic exact uh, sense of humor, right? So, right, so yeah, for sure. Overall, love, love pretty much everything on here except that Lords of Destruction is a real love. Uh, is a real low point. So how about how about side two for you? Yeah, I, I, I graveyard uh, disciples. Great. This is like a basic good label song. Uh, genocide uh, genocide junkies. Another good chugging riff song. You know, it has some really cool time changes in it. Lost heaven. A great cool mid tempo song. I, I love his vocals in that one. It's not. You no, know, he's not screaming, but he's not super low either. 
and it has like a very cool and and i say this lightly it's very like a melodic chorus you know you don't get a lot of melodic choruses i i would say out of zach but that really fits in the melodic chorus for me uh refuse to bow down this is a clunker for me on this especially when he opens up i'm sure it's like a, a movie clip but he, when he starts going on oh women are bored with a very dark side no he's he's like he's like the guys from rush he's not he's not winning any female uh people in the crowd or, or new fans if you will but yeah I, i'm not a i'm not a big fan of that the, the the growling vocals just i think it kills it for me uh, mass murder machine another basic you know okay song Darkers, cool song this is this is a fun song me and bc laugh about drinking puking pissing fighting starting all over again you know just a great you know line there from zach and you know it's kind of like a fun rocking heavy song and then then we close with the america the beautiful um another uh, once again we can album down to you know 12 maybe even 10 songs for you but uh yeah eh. <laughs> what do you think about side two so yeah i mean kicks off great one two punch graveyard disciples Again, cool, you know, mid-tempo groove, Genocide Junkies. Uh, we talked about that being a great closer, you know, of the set list. Actually, listening to that song a little bit more recently, kind of preparing for this episode, it kind of it kind of reminds me of the song Higher Ground, you know, the old Stevie Wonder song that the Red Hot Chili Peppers covered. Just the okay. just the way that like it's the structured. Beat and the way yeah. it moves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It really it re- really made me think of it. You're you are spot on on Lost Heaven. I mean, my notes on it chorus cool harmonies oh my god i mean just very very melodic and very well done totally with you again refuse to bow down is the low point and it's that talking (laughs) that talking point what the i mean and women need to be loved the way adam should have loved eve what What are we talking about mass murder machine is is okay berserkers yeah very very cool and then America the Beautiful, I thought it was kind of a cool arrangement, cool, you know, it was well done, but it, he really made that sound like a Christmas carol to me. I, I was, I was thinking, I was, yes, yes, I was hearing Christmas 100%. Yeah. I, and so anyway, I could, I could kind of do, I could kind of do without that. So, you know, he, he actually did, I think it's the first Noel he does like acoustically that he released you know, one of the Christmases, and that's where I kept going to. But I'm like, why? Yeah. Why does this sound like Christmas when it's supposed to be America the Beautiful? Exactly, exactly. So I think we might be on the same page here, BB. Which side are you going with? Yeah, I, I teetered back and forth with this one. So kind of what I did, it almost I went song for song kind of how I did it. It, it. I'm like, oh, great. This is great because it, they both end with an, with the an instrumental. They both have some really good opening tracks. So Bleed for Me, one, one out of the... I have Life Birth, Blood Doom, Bridge the Cross from side one. And I from side two, I have Genocide Junkies, Lost Heaven, and Berserkers from side two. And then, so what perfectly being the tiebreaker are the two instrumentals and of course, I have to go speedball. You know that that sick banana's acoustic instrumental yeah. is just crazy. 
And so that kind of wins it for me is side one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, yeah. So I kind of go, you know, bleed for me and demise of sanity are the kind of the big songs on side one and graveyard disciples, genocide junkies. So they, those cancel each other out is kind of the way I look at it, but then yeah, life, birth, blood, doom, bridge, the cross, battering ram, speedball are better than the other, <laughs> the other, basically the other five songs uh, that are on that are on side two. So I got to go with side one as well. So so there you go. We are on the same page, both going with side one over side two of Black Label Society's 1919 Eternal from 2002. All right, BB, we did it. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming. This on. was great. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I you can't guys wait have... till next year when you do your next Black Label. <laughs> segments it, yeah it's it, it's coming i'm trying to think when uh when i mean i saw that i saw that judas priest tour that you're talking about with uh what was that thin lizzie on there too or, or yes yep. they were on there too right yeah that was a that was a hell of a triple bill actually <laughs> priest was so good that night that set list was insane so was great show but yeah, no, I, I I would love to have you on again. So yeah, as I go through my chronology and and stuff pops up, and as I continue to listen to your podcast and get to know you better, I'll uh, I'll definitely have you on another show with yeah. a, a band that you dig. So again, where can people find you? Uh, just check us out, just like you. You know, every podcast genre there is out there. You know, we're on we're on Apple. We're on. YouTube or on, I think the only one we are not on is Amazon podcast. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but we, we drop our new episode every Friday. And like I said, we, you know, we're, we're doing everything from PC to ZZ top. We just, you know, we put together set lists and we review albums and we have trivia and we, you know, make fun of each other. It's just a real good, a real good time. Definitely. Definitely. I, I love it. I love it. You guys are so, uh, you're just like you're just shooting the shit man and it, it just it comes across that way and it's it's a great listen it's a great listen so you know like and, and thank you for all the time you've been on you know, you know yeah super well blast. spoken and love you know, it. no now that you've been there a couple of times now we can start you know busting your balls <laughs> as we bust each other's so I you know you're almost like family now absolutely i look forward to it so thanks again for coming on i really appreciate it did anyone see Black Label Society on the Mafia Tour in 2005? If so, when and where and what were your thoughts, memories, or stories from that show? What are your thoughts on BLS's two studio albums, The Blessed Hellride from 2003 and Mafia from 2005? Which one do you prefer? And last but not least, what are your thoughts on BLS's third studio album, 1919 Eternal from 2002? Side one or side two? Let us know your thoughts by emailing us at slamfestpodcast at gmail.com or request to join our private Facebook page at Slamfest Podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Yeah.